Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. In 1942, in the cold desert of a small border town of Texas, a group of kind are kidnapped and mass embraced by members of the fanatical sect, the Sabbat. Out of this group, only a handful survived, and through rituals and mentorship, they became the pack known as the Pale Riders. Representing the Sword of Cain, they are wielded by a mentor to cut deep wounds within the heartland of Mexico to the enemies of the Sabbat. Wars on Fire is a vampire the masquerade Sabbat chronicle that follows the Pale Riders pack that consists of Mitch, a Lazampa played by Adam, Coyote, a Ravenous anti-tribute played by Alex, Eldrick, a Katif played by David, Jasper, a Bruja anti-tribute played by Joaquin, Cora, a Shimizi played by Slavic, and Richard, a Venture anti-tribute played by Tillman. If you'd like to contact us, you can find us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore BTM or on Facebook at Twin Cities by Night. We hope you enjoy. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the epilogue session for Vampire the Masquerade Wars on Fire. Currently, uh, one of our players, Alex, who plays Coyote, couldn't make it. He has the crud, and he's bedridden at the moment. So we'll record his at a later date and then kind of and share it with you all. So what, what we're going to be doing in here is it's going to kind of be informal, kind of like our character creation sessions, where the players and I will go a little bit over their characters, certain story elements, and then at the end we'll go with how they spent their XP because they received 40 XP at the completion of the Chronicle, which congratulations, guys. That was our longest-running Chronicle we've had on the on the channel, 10, 10 sessions. That, that was kind of a feat that we, we undertook there. We got done in, I think, a little bit over a year, you know, it took to get it done. So that, that was pretty awesome, and uh, I'm happy it went well. So without further ado... So where we left off, you guys were in that small village after you guys just kind of like found out the whole uh, what had happened from Vidar after he killed that infernalist, Ricardo. You guys went through this village and you kind of just rained down havoc upon the village. Mitch found that letter at the village and then and then we left off. So that that night, you guys find shelter in some way, like in a cellar of one of these small huts, knowing that you were told the next evening Vidar and some of his brothers and sisters in arms would be there to reclaim you. And frankly, when you were done with this village, it was just a scene of like chaos. It almost looked like napalm had been dropped on part of it because part of these buildings had caught fire to this huge barn. There was bodies just thrown all over the place and drained or murdered or just, you know, just, just, just ripped apart some were people who helped this infernalist and some were victims of theirs that were being kept there against their will but neither were shown any kind of discrimination when it came to the savageness and the beast that came out in all of you all became victims and fell before the might of the pale riders pack as a plunder and a reward for for this journey and almost like a uh outlet of your frustrations and, and fear and, and you're able to to work those demons out so the next evening when you guys crawl out of the cellar you see you know it's almost like this rebirthing of a you know for a moment like you you come out of this really enclosed earth cellar you know it's not one of the type where you can stand you had to climb on your stomachs and lay on your backs there curled and as you make your way out the desert moon is, is coming upon the desert and the stars out in the skies. And you look and you see about 200 yards outside of the village, a mass of figures. To count them would, would be pointless. It would be hard to make out. But if you were to guess, it would be about 30 or 40 figures that are standing out there. And you kind of see behind the figures, you almost see like five or six wagons that are that are there you know, that are being drawn by horses. And and you can even see the shapes of, like, people sitting on the coach of the wagon, like they're guiding the horses. And the figures, as, as you guys are trying to focus on them, you could kind of see a lot of them seem to be wearing, like, like robes of sorts or, or, or cloaks of sorts, almost to, like, fit into the, the landscape. Some are lighter, some are darker than the other. Not that they're trying to camouflage themselves or anything to that extent, but they're definitely not trying to pass a facade of being a part of, you know, like any kind of like town or society that is in the area. 
And as you see this group, you see a lone figure come walking up, and it's the figure of Vidar. But unlike the other times where you have seen Vidar, you know, wearing like kind of a white robe, kind of like in a in a satirical version of Catholic garb, you actually see Vidar this time is kind of wearing more of like a tannish cloak. And you guys, like I said, this is probably what you guys did at the village was probably like the most horrific things you guys have done, especially since that mass embrace when you were embraced, where the beast completely was taking you over at that time. But this was calculated on your part, like you knew what you guys were coming into at this moment. And before we continue on with our epilogue, and I always seem to ask this at least once a session, at this moment, what are each of you thinking when you see this mass of bodies and you see this figure of Vidar walking towards you guys? And I'll start first with you, Mitch. What What is it that, that Mitch is feeling at this time? Mitch is sort of caught between World War I flashbacks, seeing piles upon piles of his comrades and enemies across you know, France and Belgium, and between his new nature as a vampire thinking that this is deeply, deeply satisfying, despite how horrifying he would have seen it as, you know, 40, 30, 40 years ago, back when he was a young soldier. So would you say in a way that Mitch has worked out those demons that he was dealing with, those doubts, like when he stopped at that church and, you know, when he was on the boat, do you you think all those issues were in a way temporarily worked out? Or do you think some of that still lingers with him? I don't think he's worked them out so much as he's accepted them as part of himself and he's chosen to embrace them, even though he might still have a moment or two of hesitation along the way. Understood. Understood. What about you, uh, Jasper? When, when you, what, what, what's going on in Jasper's head at this moment? So as Jasper, he definitely sees as, as well, looking at the village, he sees it as a time of excess. He definitely sees it as a momentary moment of, uh, not quite weakness, but uh, gluttony almost, and that he let himself go. He let himself succumb to his baser instincts, which, while acceptable at certain times, they're not something he should make a habit of. So he's like, okay, I, I, now he sees like the following. is like, it's time for the next part of our journey. I must, I have, I have my excesses now. I must temper myself for the times trials to come. You're almost having kind of like an opposite reaction that Mitch is having where you don't feel this sense of like relief in a way. You feel that this was a lesson learned of of hopefully to avoid something like this in the future, I would say, right? Or uh, so, it's, Yeah, it's more like a, it's something that's occasionally, it's more like a yeah, something that can, it's, can be allowed to happen, but it should not be allowed to happen regularly. Like a moderation. Almost. Yes. Everything in moderation. Gotcha. Understood. Okay. What about you, Cora? What's Cora feeling at this moment what, as she sees Vidar walking towards the pack? Well, Cora mostly feels strangely, almost mystically drawn to all these dead bodies, like something in her blood is speaking to her to sort of examine them, understand them in a way. When you, when you say examine them and understand them, do you mean on a physical level or on a, on a physical? On like both physical and spiritual level. Why do know. you think that's calling out to her? I mean, we're going to probably that Giovanni blood that you know she now partially has in her veins, just sort of manifesting itself. I remember earlier in in one of the sessions, or maybe it was outside of a session where one of you guys were mentioning, or where you mentioned, excuse me, that Cora would also kind of be drawn to that too because of her son's death in World War One. Does that play yeah. a factor still, or is that just subconsciously? I think, I think she almost like it's like a fading memory because she's lost so much humanity that she understands that she wants to do it, but she doesn't understand why. So that, that's really tragic. So through all this and the sense of like rediscovery that Cora felt of herself and like being reinvented and finally kind of being like a free individual where she kind of had a life of ser- servitude in a way, the one thing that kept her happy during all this no longer plays a part in her life, right? The thought of her or the memory of her son or anything like that, yeah. right? Oh, wow. That's crazy. Richard, so what's going on in Richard's mind when 
he sees Vidar walking towards you guys. Mm, Richard is frustrated. The village, uh, the spoils for the victors didn't give him um, what was expected of it because he has the uh, Ventru weakness. I basically found very little drunk people uh, in the village and uh, didn't really get to feel victorious, just frustrated that there uh, seems to be nothing for him there. So would, would Richard see like being a canine, like almost being under a set of stricter rules and that he had to follow in life? Or does it feel more like a punishment than it feels like a gift? Or, or how, does this, how does not only the feeding restrictions that you have, but also seeing that everyone else was sort of able to to get some kind of satisfaction, albeit temporarily or whatever, from from this village. What, what what does that make him think about what he is now? I think with his fading humanity, it feels like a flaw, like something he can't get rid of or let go of. Like the uh, Sabbat stands for um, separating oneself from the from the humans um, uh, side and from the kind. And he can't seem to do that. Like he hang, hangs on to that alcohol addiction, basically. Yeah, it's like a constant. That that that's very. Because <laughs> yeah, I remember you mentioned to me that one time out of game, and that that's a like I never thought of it like that. Like they want you to be something that you're not. That they want you not to be human anymore. <laughs> but for your whole existence, you're going to be tied to be that one thing that was a human weakness, and it's never going to be let go. At least that you're aware of that can be let go. So it's going to be a constant reminder of what you once were. And in a way, that kind of showed itself in the story because you're kind of the guy for the longest time that held on to, you know what I mean, his humanity and was kind of was the most empathetic. And maybe that was because you had that little bit of an anchor still that held you back while everyone else was like, evolving at a quicker rate than you were at the time so yeah that's that's pretty crazy so when vidar basically walks up and he stops midway and he like motions for you to come like by him like he he stands to his side and he motions you to walk past him into the group of people that are that are standing there you know these figures and you see coyote kind of just like starts lumbering in that direction almost like in a fig state you know but basically you follow coyote as he walks forward and as you guys get closer to these bot these people you find that they like slowly start coming forward towards you and they almost like start intermingling and walking around you and start like you don't even moving within you to where gently all five of you are kind of like separated from each other but it's not in a harsh antagonistic whatever manner it's almost like a, a soldier coming home to his family or someone who thought they were lost being brought back into the fold and and as each of you are kind of like separated you're brought into one of these carriages in the back of these carriages that kind of have you know what i mean have overlap have a tarp over it in a way i forgot what those are called but you know to where it will block sunshine and everything like that and pretty much as these figures gently bringing you in again you guys are kind of in a shock state and a little bit from everything that you know what i mean has occurred processing it all you guys, in a nutshell, travel for like five days in the back of these things. You have no idea what's bringing you. You're frankly to this point where like none of it matters. If anything, once in a while, a body, especially even you, Richard, like a drunk body, someone's thrown in the back there for you to feed from. You know, half the times, if you drain them or whatever, their carcasses are taken out. You know what I mean? And it's just, and there's even like Cora, when you go back in there, there's like dirt that bag of that that knapsack of dirt that you had from you know any texas is there with you uh if not more dirt from from texas is laid out there and you guys have this slow journey but you kind of it's almost like a fevered state with you guys and the fact that you can't really grasp time and how quick or how slow it's going and you're just kind of lost in your own thoughts and you feel like a slight separation anxiety being separated from your pack mates but you know you can feel that they're within distance you know what i mean eventually you guys come upon to where you are within like almost like a mountain range a desert mountain range and if you were to guess from the direction that you think you traveled or whatever this would probably be in the northern mexican area probably not too far from like the arizona new mexico border but within mexico still at this time and you eventually are brought out just as gently as you were brought into the fold you're brought out of these carriages and are kind of introduced 
to within this mountain range is this old monastery that that is within there that looks like it might have been held by like spaniard uh spanish priests or monks at one time you know who came over with the conquistadors way back in this country's deep past and you see like like the the monastery is made from like this this mud brick material almost in a way you know what i mean and this dry crumbling material that's almost like the color of the rock and the sand that surrounds it this monastery is actually you you had to like walk slowly and progress through these mountain like trails at night with these 40 or 50 figures a slow ascent as you walked around hearing like desert hawks you know what i mean in the background hearing the life that surrounds you seeing again those bright stars and moon above you till finally you get to this monastery where it's rather large as you come upon the top of one of these mountains here and it's just, uh, it's not the tallest mountain in the chain but it's like you know what i mean one of the medium-sized mountains and you come upon this monastery you see that like the front of it is 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 roughly a hundred or more yards across you know and you can see where it was rather large you can see like a bell tower kind of rise up in the background and you can see like there's an entrance that goes within and it isn't from your guess it hasn't been maintained as if it would probably would have been maintained back when kind resided in there you know and people actually took pride there if now it's like this looks like almost like a shallow husk of what it might have been at one time you know like i said you can see like lanterns and you can see like uh torches and other stuff in the, of, of that manner within there but you 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 can't really make out too much and eventually you're brought in to there and you're shown like these quarters of yours. And I'm not, they're really modest quarters at one time that look like they probably were lived in by monks who, who, who didn't have a lot of worldly possessions or goods and who were just there to contemplate, you know, or, or to study the word or the gospel or, or, or many other things that monks like that uh, have done at one time or another. So this is the aspect where this is where we're going to say that you guys have been separated for about two years. And you're within this huge monastery. And this is a rather large, it's almost like a, a a city or small village within these walls. You know what I mean? Where you guys have not really, have come not come across each other for two years. Now you're able to like, to, to go to a village that may be like 15 miles away. You know what I mean? By horseback or anything like that. But what this is supposed to signify is where you guys were, deep in thought where you guys were exploring and slowly losing your humanity. All right. And at this time also there you, you, and we'll get into this as it goes on, you're mentored and whatever path you guys are going to choose to go on to. All right. So we'll take it first. Uh, we we've discussed this out of character already outside the game, just for those viewers who are watching and listeners know that we kind of already know what these decisions are going to be made, but uh, we haven't figured out the story aspects yet. So we'll go first with, Mitch. So Mitch, in this two years that you have on your own to like of self-discovery, what 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 it, what what is Mitch doing during this time to like to 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 basically lose your humanity enough to where you can be taught a new belief system? He's going over the slaughter of the village in his head repeatedly, looking at it as he followed orders, he did what he was supposed to, and it got the result that was intended and expected. So sort of building off of that he's going to be going into nearby villages doing what he can to punish either via death or some other sort of torment those who have either disobeyed orders or somehow violate some agreement that they made and he's going to really let the predator ride high while he's doing that. Like you're saying, you're, you're, you don't mean like criminals. You're saying you're just slowly like stalking this village with these towns around here like a predator and being selective and waiting for like a law enforcement officer or, or like some kind of deputized person or some kind of politician or something like that that you feel isn't meeting like the requirements that they set an unspoken or spoken promise with like this village or the public or something to that extent. Like, give me an example of something you would think of would be the type of victim that, that like, Mitch would have came across during this. A corrupt sheriff, you know, that would be one option. Um, 
a businessman who welched on a contract and screwed over a compatriot for no apparently reason. Things like that. So while you are, you know, because I can almost like picture this being like where it takes time to find this. Maybe you might not even have found a lot of people like this during the two years. Maybe it took you six months to like, you know what I mean? Of spying and of like investigating and doing it almost like you are a hunter out in the wild, like, you know, looking for, for, for trails and tracks, you know, of this, of this prey of yours, you're doing that in this village almost. And during some of these excursions into the village during this period where you would like investigate you, Ilanipi, you were reacquainted with Ilanipi and he would go out with you during this. And at this point, when you finally saw, you know, you were doing it for a while on your own for, say, about four or five months, you were investigating this corrupted sheriff, right, who was going out and, and, and they, like doing these unspeakable things or just, you know what I mean, doing what was just whatever corrupt sheriffs do. And, and eventually one evening when you were, you know, you're maybe like getting a horse ready or you're like getting ready to walk down this trail on your own, you know, this dark mountain trail that you were actually walking up with these other inquisition members who had torches you're walking by yourself at night and you hear a figure behind you walking behind you you look and you see the figure of Ilanipi, who the last time you saw him was way back in uh that that resort in cedar creek and you know he was looking like death walked over you know no pun intended but he had he had not he was not looking good and at this point you can see that like time had healed his wounds. He still looked like the same stoic figure that he looked like, you know, with the jeans on and the kind of cowboy cowboy shirt tucked in and with like the, the shotgun, you know, slung over his shoulders, you know what I mean? And like the pistol holster, not saying he's like armed to the teeth, but you know what I mean? Like he's, he, that he feels they they look like they're part of him and he would go with you and he would go with you while you were stalking these people. And when I say stalk, I don't mean like following him, but, you know, looking for evidence of what they were doing, intermingling with people within this village. You know what I mean? Spying on them when they're with their, when that sheriff was with his mistress, you know what I mean? Or when the sheriff was making these dealings, just absolutely making sure that you were a hundred percent correct. And during this time, Ilanipi would be teaching you the tenets of the path of honorable accord, which is the path that you're learning at this moment that you're feeling drawn to that eventually out of character, we decided you're going to spend XP on. My question is, and we're not going to have it to where you actually convert to the path at this moment. It's going to be something that, you know what I mean, is going to go on later. Tell me, what was it about when you found these people that made you descent even further down? Like, what did you, I mean, you, you know, it's something as easy as just killing them, but like, did you take it too far? Was it like torture or was it like, like to get the point across or was it quick killing or what was it that like, that, that made the your humanity fall away and your beast come out even more while you were doing this. Oh, it would have been torture. I mean, he would have gone into just depraved acts of vengeance against these people because Mitch, his, a big part of his, I don't want to say identity. Uh, a big part of his uh, background is that he takes care of the people around him, especially the people that are sort of under his watch. And if he's seeing people, you know, manipulate, betray, and abuse the authority they have over others, that will just send him into severe bouts of anger. You know, and when you enhance that with humanity too, plus the beast, he's going to hunt these people down and he will skin them alive, literally, while pouring salt on them. Yeah, yeah. And I can picture this scene almost where like, while you're doing these heinous acts to people, Ilanipi is like calmly talking to you, you know what I mean, about the tenets of this belief system and how, you know what I mean, while you're like losing yourself, he's like this reassuring voice, like he's not even phased by what you're doing. You know, because in the end, no matter if you guys are part of the Inquisition or you think justifiably so, you, what you're doing is right, you're still canites. You're still monsters. And you're doing, you're doing unspeakable, her horrendous, acts towards people who maybe don't deserve it you know what i mean but in your head you're rationalizing it with this belief system you know that you're slowly coming to grips with that you're slowly wanting to accept because you feel yourself losing yourself to this beast that, that's really cool that that's i'm really digging that we'll say like for a couple years you do that and you've had like maybe three four five people that you've you know what i mean rounded up during all this okay but when you're not doing that you're usually alone just thinking you know what i mean alone walking around this area and these Canites who are in this 
in this in this monastery or former monastery. These aren't like super social Elysium. Let's talk, you know, kind of types. You know what I mean? You, you these are people that are are, are secluded because, like I said, I love the, the aspect of like in their in your very blood that Canaanites and kindred want to own an area and don't want anyone fucking with it encroaching it and so a lot of them keep to themselves you know yep. during this time though you feel like a it started as like a pang of like of, of melancholy that you're like missing your pack mates but soon it starts it gets a little bit more comfortable and soon it's not quite in the back of your head like it is during that was during like you know what i mean the trek deep into mexico you know from from cedar creek so all right so jasper What's Jasper doing in these like two years to kind of like of self-discovery, we'll call it. So I definitely think that Jasper, he definitely has, after the trick, when he's brought to this a monastery, he sees it, at first he sees it almost a time for a self-reflection. And then he finds that unfortunately for him, like there, that with this, since he's a Bruja, there's this new rage that like, before he was somewhat magic. Yeah, but, but like now it just it's bubbling it bubbles over at times so we can't you know say calm as much as it used to be able to so as a result he like he finds that he starts going out more and more often to like just vent the anger that he sometimes builds up in himself now when he vents this anger with well, two questions about this anger where is he venting it at i guess three questions where is he venting it at and who is he or what is he venting it out at Probably like like I said, some like someone who like go out to a public space. How do they go out to like in a village? Like you probably see like there's people like you know some place like den of uh, some like the you know drunkards lay out. Some place some place where people of ill repute hang around. So he sort of goes there and says like, okay, and he'll just sort of like just let himself build up steam. Like he give like a little speech, just decrying the visuals of you know the sins of everyone around him. He'll just look himself worked up and then he'll just go out. And just fists and break them apart, and just like ravage them, right? So, like yeah. when he speak when he speaks out about the sins, because I, I I I'm picturing it, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm picturing it more being like you're living a life of drinking and wasting your your potential and all this stuff, and not more like you're bad guys. It's more like you are not living to be the perfect specimen that you can be, the perfect human being. Am I correct in that assertion? Or yeah, it's or more like if- like you know, you could you could be better, but like. Instead, you're doing this like, like, like a weird. It's like the dis- it's like the dis- self help yeah. guy. Like, I don't like you. Like you know, I'm too late for you. I'm just gonna break your bones. It's like a self help guy trying to teach the secret who has anger problems, or like a disappointed parent on angel dust. You know what I mean? It's just like I'm I'm disappointed in you, and this is gonna hurt you a lot more than it's gonna hurt me, kind of thing. Um, when when and I can like picture scenes like where he'd like go and just like. Just like he'd be done and he'd come down from whatever anger he looks around there's like 20 or 30 just like dead bodies laying all over the place and he's like drenched in blood like Patrick Bateman you know he went into that place all clean cut and calm but then he's just like face is crimson you know what I mean blood's like dripping off his hands and, and just hitting the floor and he's like and he kind of like snaps too what is going on in his head at that moment when when he comes to like that well, I definitely like when it first starts. He's just like, oh, too much. It's too much. But then, as like time goes on, he's just like, this. I need to find something that. So obviously, this is not going to go away. This is something I have to deal with for possibly the rest of my existence. And so, what can I do? What I am calm said to make sure that I can maintain my uh, uh, my stature. One thing that. I can picture is like after a couple times of doing this, one time you come out just covered in blood and you see like Elanipi, a figure, you know what I mean? That you hadn't seen there talk standing there. And it kind of became like second nature or not second nature kind of became like par for the course where you would go do this. You'd step out and he'd be there waiting for you. He wasn't there when you went in there, you know what I mean? But he would be there waiting for you and you would walk like 15, 20 miles with him, you know what I mean? And just talk about these feelings that you had during all this, you know? And you and it almost felt like each time that this happened, it's the, the, the frequency of this happening was a lot higher at the beginning of this two years 
than it was at the end. You know what I mean? And the reason why you think towards the end that it was is because you would have these talks with Ilanipi for like 15, 20 miles while walking back and kind of like talk about what led to this. What led you to going down to that village? Why did you feel you had to go down there in the first place? You know what I mean? Did you expect different results? Why did you keep doing that, expecting different results? You know what I mean? It was just like these, these philosophical and analytical talks with him about the canine condition you know what i mean and how you keep going down this hole you're going to lose yourself to wassail you know what i mean it was just like this constant like okay i'm gonna let you pull your tantrum but then when you recollect yourself we're going to talk about it like adults you know what i mean and you found that scratch that itch that you were looking for you know and he he started teaching you the tenets of the path of honorable accord you know and it almost became to where the last couple times that you did that it was almost like you didn't do it out of anger when you snapped. You did it out of some kind of like reverence to like what the lessons you were learning. Like this was, you're doing it because you knew that to progress to that final step of evolution, you had to give in a couple more times. You know what I'm saying? It was like this joy, you know, it's almost like seeing the light at the end of the tunnel in a way. Does that make sense? Yeah. Awesome. Anything to add to that before I move on? No. Cora. What what is Cora doing during this couple of years that, that she has on her own? I think at first she definitely, you know, tries to draw out the power of the blood that she sort of ingested. So, uh, you know, she's already very inhumane. She, but she thinks that, you know, in order to attract a specific type of teacher that will teach her, she'll first need to demonstrate some skills first. So she sort of dives into this sort of mystical, I guess, whole world, you know, starts reading about it, starts practicing it, trying to understand sort of, you know, is trying to piece the memories that she can from the training of, of the Giovanni she diablerized and uh, trying to, you know, make sense of it. And she's having a hard time or she, of it because she's not actually the most educated person. And a lot of th this relies on, you know, very specific knowledge. Like a lot of like, almost like meditation, right? Like, like yeah. there's a lot of meditation, maybe some lore as well, mm. you know? Yeah, we'll get, we'll cover that definitely. Now, before I go that route, we, we cover that. Is she doing anything like inhumane at the moment? Like, you know what I mean? Like, is she just like, uh, or is it all? Well, she is trying to learn necromancy. So she's definitely hanging around corpses, maybe even, you know, murdering someone and watching how they die. Yeah, I can picture like these moments of like Cora out of like uh, desperation or trying to like feeling like this key, um, this, um, oh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Like this, uh, lack of a better term, a connection with like a, 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 a memory in her head that she can't quite like grasp, you know, and just feeling like the only time that she can really feel connected to that memory is when she's looking into like uh, uh, someone's eyes as that last like breath is leaving them or the last little bit of spark of yeah. life is gone. And when you see that, it like satisfies this part of you, Cora, that like is not a part of you. That's an you know, a part, part of it is also, you know, seeing the life disappear and then trying to listen in to the other side. Ooh. She hears something. And I can almost feel like, like you can feel like when you do that, you feel like, you feel like there's just a thin membrane that's separating you from that. You know what I mean? Like when you look, or before when you killed something, it was like they're dead and the beast was satisfied and it was just core, just like, you know what I mean? Killing someone. But now when you kill some and you look into those eyes, you can feel like, the hairs on the back of your like those very fine peach fuzz hairs that Cora had on the back of her neck like rise up just a little bit you know what I mean or she can just feel like her 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 skin feels a little like hypersensitive at the moment you know what I mean and you and you, and you feel like um hyper vigilant too you know when you do that like when you feel you feel like you can hear the desert life a little bit sharper than before and you can like smell the breeze a little bit stronger than before and and you feel like that like there's a corner that can be turned, but you just can't see the corner quite yet. And all you need to do is someone to point you to where that corner is, and you know that you can walk around it and see what beholds you there. And it's like this constantly frustrating thing, and you feel like you're, you know, what I mean, you feel like you're getting closer, but it's just this like a sense of desperation where you're like, and and knowing Cora and her patience, which I say that sarcastically, you know what I mean? 
it's like it, it probably even makes her more vicious in this. You know what I mean? Where like maybe she would kill one person a night. And then like within a year, she was killing like 10 just to like, you know, because I mean? she thinks that maybe I have to do this more or maybe I have to become more familiar with it. And in this monastery, there are like, we can say like noddest writings or writings of some kind of, so you know what I mean? It's a bot sort that can be found and can be read within here. And, but there's no, like, you find it on your own. You find it like one night, like, like wandering in this monastery and you come upon it and, and, and there's no like library in there or keeper of the records or any shit like that. But it's like, you feel that when you're trying to like read some of this stuff, the, the core part of you is like doesn't get it you know what i mean the country texas girl with the low iq doesn't get it but that 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 thing inside of you that corner of your mind that was added recently the little whisper of another memory is there appreciates that and you find that that little whisper of the other memory like helps you understand it's almost like a little tutor at first you know what i mean to where you start or you're able to start reading this stuff and stuff that you learned verbally from Vidar and your other mentors back in Cedar Creek, you're now delving into even more because now you're having someone who's inside of you, who's part of you, who's helping you understand. Does that make sense there? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. That's sort of how I saw it. Yeah. And eventually one night while you're sitting there and you're within the, a room of this monastery and you have like this candle lit and you're reading like something that you think might have been written like on human flesh you know, that's like rolled out like a parchment on there. And you're trying to like read because it was tattooed in its skin like centuries ago. And, and, and you're trying to figure it out along and you're, and you're, and it's almost like someone who was illiterate in their adulthood, how I can only imagine being taught to read just opens this huge tsunami floodgates of information that they never had before, you know, that they, 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 they can find out. And as you're sitting there and you're reading this parchment, you feel a presence in the room with you and and it's alarming at first because you're so like into this doc this this parchment that you're reading you look up for a second with your eye and you see a figure that is standing by the wall where like this just a rectangle square was cut out that just has like these two steel bars you know what i mean to get air within it and he's just simply staring there at you watching you as you read and it's this figure he has like the, this longer like black robe on that seems to have collected dust from like the shins down you know because dust is everywhere in this monastery he has this very long like black beard that just seems like it grew wild but it, it the weight of it has has made it carry down longer to like where it's like in the middle of his chest you see like streaks of gray are just shot through it like and he's very gaunt and he's slender in a way he's about like six foot two and he's like maybe like 200 pounds and you and he has these very piercing like gray eyes that like this dark beard just seemed to magnify as he's staring at you and these eyes seem to absorb the light of the candle and just radiate back out to you and he has this long like black hair that like is just it's parted down the middle and straight down the sides and combed behind his ear and and there seems to be like a braid that that comes down the middle of it and he just has this intensity that you have never seen. And he has like these features, like something about him, his bone structure is not like a bone structure you have ever seen in Texas or in any of your travels. He looks like he is a stranger in a strange land at this moment while he's staring at you intently. And he's just like for, you know, and you look at him and he looks at you and it seems like this moment of time comes and then you start realizing like you have sensed something like this before when being around Vidar, like you're around something like ancient in a way, something that like is not grasping to what you're grasping onto now and has long ago left it. And through this last year, you never get this person's name, this creature's name. All you simply get is this, this mentor of a sorts who rather than have you blindly go through and trying to find things to read or, you know what I mean? Trying to in yourself make sense of it. He guides you in a way. Now he's not like teaching you like, hi, I'm your fucking mentor and your buddy. And I'm here to teach you this. No, it's more like you'll come in one evening and silently he'll just walk up and give you something. And then he'll go back and stand in the corner and just like stare at you. Like, and you're like, what the fuck? Are you going to say anything? And he just simply looks at you as you're like, and then you'll eventually like read. And soon he becomes like this comforting presence and almost, 
it's a way, especially with you being the pack priestess, that melancholy you felt being separated from the pack, you feel that a little bit of a replacement with this figure. Not that you feel like love for him, but you feel like he's a guiding figure there that's going to be there with you. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Very. You got anything to add? Yeah, I suppose after she sort of ends her training, uh, she starts sort of delving into, uh, you know, reaching a, the next level of vicissitude because at that point, as Amici, when he, he or she reaches that level, uh, they become uh, Jupan, which is like a very respective member of the clan. And basically can advise others Mitsi and you know just generally it's a form of respect and status yeah definitely and this figure by the way out of character is uh shimitsi shimaze whatever mm-hmm. but and we could say that he maybe even silently a very few words he like you know what i mean it helps you grow in mm-hmm. those methods too yeah. now the character also he's eastern european so like that's why you know what i mean he seems like he doesn't mm-hmm. fit into the texas area here so all right cool beans man uh so richard during these two years what is it that richard is doing in this <clears throat> slow descent of his humanity which is i think more a lot harder for you than it is for rest of your pack mates uh i think the um the village definitely left his mark on him. I've already uh, described how frustrated he was. And um, one thing that I thought of was that I wanted him to develop the bulimia derangement. Uh, the way it works uh, for vampires is um, basically they have a really hard time um, not draining their vessels. And they also um, enjoy spending blood points pretty much whenever and one thing that i wanted to um uh one direction i wanted to go with richard is that he enjoys spending blood points on his physical um attributes like pumping up his strength and dexterity and basically overcome this weakness that he felt um this flaw that he felt uh, in that village like he wants to feel the power that he that he had just before they encountered the Infernalists when he decided to get ready for battle. And he wants this feeling pretty much all the time. So yeah, I think I this will uh, be the um, the way that he will slowly but surely lose humanity because he just goes out and finds uh, people he can drain. And basically he sees them as his private stock of vessels. Like... These people are here just for him because these are the only ones that are right for him. I can I can see too, like, you know, I, I kind of regret saying before we even started this that you would have the hardest time losing your humanity <laughs> because it almost seems like you're losing it faster than the others have by doing this. You know, it's like, like bulimia is a real mental illness that people obviously in real life have to overcompensate for whatever reasons there may be. And that's what you're doing is overcompensating at this moment. It's like, you got this huge downward spiral where it's like feed, run run through the desert, do all this crazy shit. And then just like extreme highs all the way down to extreme lows afterwards. And I could, you know, for those of you that pick up in the story, there was a moment where Ilanipi tells Richard that, that, that he know that Richard is his child and how I handled it in our game is I handled it the fact that even though it was a mass embrace that Ilanipi can feel a connection via the blood like that. I, I try to make like the blood connection, diablerie, baldry, very like, um, I don't know, like metaphysical in a way, you know what I mean? Like kind of like religious surreal or whatever. I kind of make it more than like, I don't know who my child is. I make it to where like he can feel a connection where he knows, Oh, this is, one that came from me you know what i mean even though it was a mass embrace and so while ilanipi has never outright curd showed any favor for richard in a way he did though like when he was alone with richard before richard joined the pack you know he would sit there and speak to richard in this hut while richard waited and and stuff like that so i can almost see like ilanipi taking your descent especially that's faster a lot more personal than he took the others and i can almost see it being like a parent talking to a bulimic teenager and trying to explain to a teenager who hasn't had the life lessons that they have had that what they are doing is wrong and then dealing with the stubbornness of a teenager who is caught in an emotional crisis hormones all flowing you know what i mean all that stuff like that 
but it being a canine, you know what I mean? And I can almost picture these scenes like in the desert where like Richard's just fucking like pumped to six, you know, and all his physical attributes going insane, just doing the shit and Ilanipi trying to talk him down from the ledge, you know what I mean? And trying to like desperately out of like some kind of like kinship to to teach him these tenets of the path of honorable accord so that he'll save his life. Because at the rate that Richard is going right now, Richard went from one of the most anchored, humane canines in the group to like like the rate he's going, he's gonna get with sale because it's never gonna satisfy enough. It's gonna be more and there's more and it's gonna be more. There's gonna be more and soon he's just gonna lose himself. All it's gonna take is one botched conscience roll, you know what I mean? And he's gonna be gone to the beast, you know. He's almost traveling faster than Coyote was for a while there in the span of these two years just being left on his own. And I would say maybe what prevented such a fast descent to happen when you were with the pack was the pack itself. It was like the love of the pack and like the concern for the pack, you know what I mean? And like the relationship you had with the pack. Now that you're alone, it's like all that the anchors that kept you grounded are gone. Does that make sense? Would you agree with that? Because I feel like that would like you take him away from that pack and you take his purpose, like where he was like whole purpose was to see the pack go save Vidar, you know what I mean? And now that's gone. And now he's just left alone with his weakness and his thoughts and like what he experienced in that village. Would it, would I be correct in that assertion or am I kind of off on that? No, I think the um, you hit it on the spot with um, the purpose is gone now. He doesn't have this this goal that he needs to attain. We'll even say that like during this time, Elenipi is even talking to you more about the importance of the Inquisition. You know what I mean? And about like the role, about how the fight isn't done yet. You know what I mean? How you were just, that was one small battle in a war that's been going on for ages and will continue to go on for ages and how like important are the roles and especially talks a lot about like the paladin role you know what i mean and like what he is and the role of being like the you know what i mean the one that is like takes the mission to heart and 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 maybe he's desperately trying to make you realize the importance of the mission so that you will stop what you're doing you will stop this descent but the thing is like you said, you get that bulimia derangement and that shit ain't going away. You know what I mean? And so while you may be able to focus, this thing's going to rear its ugly head. Now, how would it play in future story arcs? We don't know. And we'll have to explore that. You know what I mean? Especially with the pack around, but it's always going to, it's going to be like an alcoholic. Well, fuck you are an alcoholic. It's going to be like an alcoholic, dude, even though you're clean, you're, it's always going to be there. You know what I mean? And you're never going to get rid of it. You know what I mean? You're always going to have the disease. So, wow, man, fucking Richard, dude. What a, what a poor fucking chat, man. Hello, folks. Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts, or just media in general that deals with your favorite White Wolf role-playing games? Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded, one which wouldn't be drowned out by random posts and discussion so that your media could get the attention you want? Well... We have the answer for you in a Facebook group we run called White Wolf RPGs Gameplay and Media. The group is specifically ran with the sole intent of it being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. We are currently over 1,000 members strong, and we are continuing to rapidly grow with new media being shared every day. Stop on by. We hope to see you there. High Level Games, the industry's first choice in taking your games to the next level. We are a podcast blog and new media network at highlevelgames.ca. We have blog posts about all of your favorite games going up five days a week and a podcasting network with actual plays and shows that discuss role-playing games, with more rolling out all the time. We are on iTunes, Twitch, and YouTube. Find out more information at highlevelgames.ca, a site that certainly isn't controlled by a shadowy board of directors of otherworldly origin. That's highlevelgames.ca. Please, help. They're coming. <laughs> like world of darkness do you want to introduce your friends to it but there's one problem nobody reads books anymore this presents you with a problem doesn't it you want to get your friends into these awesome games but they don't have the time or wherewithal to read any of them 
Well, that's where Brett the Hitman comes in. Brett the Hitman, your one-stop shop on YouTube for all things related to World of Darkness. Currently in the middle of his Werewolf the Apocalypse series, which is showing tremendous growth. It's going to the moon! That's right, watch Brett the Hitman and you will get style! Flare! Humor! <laughs> and of course, some dank meme magic. Fucking normies! Brett the Hitman on YouTube at youtube.com slash I love other people's misery. So watch now! If only for the dank memes. Tune in today! The Los Angeles metropolitan area is constantly growing and changing. Central District is full of new buildings. The Hollywood and Wilshire Districts, once far from downtown, now are part of a which spreads past Beverly Hills and out to the ocean. Why is all this going on in Los Angeles? Why is Los Angeles an exploding city? Dawn Masquerade. The Demon's Mirror. Thirteen Candles. Three Chronicles running through the undead veins of the City of Angels. The Esoteric Order of Role Players Actual Play Podcast invites you to drink deeply. Go to EORpodcast.com and search the Duets tag to find out more. channel, the video journals of Mike Bailey. Mike Bailey is a character I play in a live-action vampire game called New England Nightmares, which uses the new Finite Studio rules for Mind's Eye Theatre. The Chronicle's set in the city of New Haven, Connecticut, and we run on the third Saturday of every month in Southington, Connecticut. Most of the credit for the stories told in my journals comes from the plots developed by the amazing storytellers who run my game. So the videos on my channel are basically an in-character video logs of the newly sired Ventrue Mike Bailey. They follow him from his days as a naive mortal, to his violent embrace during the Anarch Revolt in the City of London, and on to his arrival in the shores of New Haven. The journals show Mike trying to come to terms with his kindred nature, his powerful but impure blood, and his attempts to hide his past from other members of the court of Prince Lucius. They put out updates every two weeks, and I love feedback and questions, so check out my channel, subscribe, and leave me a comment.